Hello and welcome to Sermons from First Press, a weekly podcast from the First Presbyterian Church of Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh, the scripture reader, reading for today comes from the book of Joshua, chapter 2, verses 1 through 24. Joshua, Nun's son, secretly sent two men as spies from Shittim. He said, Go, look over the land, especially Jericho. They set out and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab. They bedded down there. Someone told the king of Jericho, Men from the Israelites have come here tonight to spy on the land. So the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab, Send out the men who came to you, the ones who came to your house, because they have come to spy on the entire land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. Then she said, Of course the men came to me, but I didn't know where they were from. The men left when it was time to close the gate at dark, but I don't know where the men went. Hurry, chase after them. You might catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the flax stalks that she had laid out on the roof. The men from Jericho chased after them in the direction of the Jordan, up to the fords. As soon as those chasing them went out, the gate was shut behind them. Before the spies bedded down, Rahab went up to them on the roof. She said to the men, I know the Lord has given you the land. Terror over you has overwhelmed us. The entire population of the land has melted down in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea in front of you when you left Egypt. We have also heard what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites on the other side of the Jordan. You utterly wiped them out. We have heard this, and our hearts have turned to water. Uh, because of you, people can no longer work up their courage. This is because the Lord your God is, God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Now, I have been loyal to you, so pledge to me by the Lord that you in turn will deal loyally with my family. Give me a sign of good faith. Spare the lives of my father, mother, brothers, and sisters, along with everything they own. Rescue us from death. The men said to her, we swear by our own lives to secure yours. If you don't reveal our mission, uh, we will deal loyally and faithfully with you when the Lord gives us the land. So she lowered the spies on a rope through the window. Her house was on the outer side of the city wall, and she lived inside the wall. And then she said to them, Go toward the, toward the highlands so that those chasing you don't run into you. Hide there for three days until those chasing you return. Then you may go on your way. The men said to her, We won't be responsible for this pledge you made us swear unless... When we come into the land, you tie this red woven cord in the window through which you lowered us. Gather your father, your mother, your brothers, and your whole family into the house with you. Those who go outside the doors of your house into the street will only have themselves to blame for their own deaths. We won't be responsible. If anyone lays a hand on those who are with you in the house, we will take the blame for their death. But if you reveal our mission, we won't be responsible for this pledge you made us swear. She said, these things will happen just like you said. She sent them away, and they went, went off. Then she tied the red cord in the window. The spies went out and entered the highlands. They stayed there for three days until those chasing them came back. Those chasing them had searched all along the road, but never found them. Then the two men came back down from the highlands. They crossed the Jordan and came to Joshua, Nun's son. They told him everything that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, The Lord has definitely given the entire land into our power. In addition, all the land's population has melted down in fear because of us. This is the word of the Lord. Reading from Luke's Gospel, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through town. A man there was named Zacchaeus, a ruler among the tax collectors, and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he couldn't because of the crowd. 
So he ran ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to that spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down at once. I must stay at your home today. So Zacchaeus came down at once, happy to welcome Jesus. Everyone who saw this grumbled, saying, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, look, Lord, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I cheated anyone, I repay them four times as much. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this household because he too is a son of Abraham, the human one. Jesus has come to seek and to save the lost. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Now Rahab's dramatic story of intrigue and deception and finally redemption begins like a Jason Bourne spy movie, if we're real, with Joshua sending two men to spy secretly on Jericho with the Israelite army poised just to the east over the Jordan River to pounce and to take the land of Canaan by force. The ancient walled city of Jericho guarded the eastern flank of the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, the land the Israelites were destined to make their own. Strategically located on a major east-west crossroad 23 miles from Jerusalem, Jericho was an exotic place, an agricultural hub, a watery oasis in the desert, and a center of wealth. It is, archaeologists say, the city with the oldest known protective wall in the world. According to Joshua, two spies seeking intelligence for the pending military invasion slipped just inside the city gate and arrived at the house of Rahab the prostitute. That appears to be her whole name, Rahab the prostitute. She was a woman who lived on the outer limits of the city, so far on the edge that her house was built into the outer wall. She lived in the wall between her people and their people, in a space that divided the insiders from the outsiders. Which is which? Who is who? It all depends on where you stand, doesn't it? Why did the spies enter this house? Was it God's design or their own desire to go to the house of Rahab? Perhaps they simply came to her house because it was first inside the gate. Perhaps they knew that they would hear soldier stories at a place of a prostitute, and so they stayed. But the next day, the king sent instructions to Rahab. Bring out the men who have come to you. So what is she to do? Who is Rahab to resist the king? What is the worth of a prostitute who lives in the outer wall? In spite of the obvious dangers, she took the two men and hid them up on a roof. Then she said to the king's messengers, True, true, the men came to me, but I did not know where they came from. And when it was time to close the gate at dark, the men went out. Where they went, I did not know. Pursue them quickly, for... You can overtake them. So, why did Rahab lie to save the two spies? And why did some people lie to save runaway slaves in the Underground Railroad? 
Why did some people lie when the Gestapo came knocking on their doors looking for the Jews hidden in secret attic rooms? Sometimes there are times when bearing false witness is the only way to save your neighbor. Realistically, the two men on the roof were outsiders. They weren't really her neighbors, Rahab's. She was an outsider to them, yet in the moment the differences blurred. Rahab had not journeyed out in the wilderness, nor was she counted among the great tribes of Israel, yet her witness is daring. The Lord your God is indeed God in heaven above and on earth below. She had heard about what had happened on the Red Sea. Rahab is nothing but bold and streetwise. She says, swear to me by the Lord that you will deal kindly with my family. Give me a sign of good faith that you will spare my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to me. And so before she lets them down by a rope from her window, she asks these men for a sign. Tie a crimson cord outside the window, they told her. Gather all your family and your house on the wall, and you and your household will be spared. So there it is for us, God's sign of the Passover, the crimson cord, the blood-red sign at the window on the wall. Would the invaders notice this red cord on the wall of this ancient city when the attack began? We wait, just as we heard Ethan read. We wait as the army surrounds the city. Joshua tells the two spies to go in and to bring out Rahab and her family, and then they burn the whole city to the ground. But Rahab, the prostitute, with her family and all who belong to her, Joshua spared. Her family has lived on in Israel ever since. Like the Hebrews say by the blood on the doorposts, Rahab was saved by the blood-red cord. Just as my colleague Barb Lundblad has pointed out, the forces of death passed over her house and the walls between the insider and the outsider broke down. I think this is why the Old Testament and the New Testament writers give Rahab such a prominent role to be wary of making those distinctions between who is good and bad and who is an insider and who is cast on the outer plane. She is the very first person encountered as the Israelites make their way into the promised land. She is a foreigner among the spies, but she's at home in her own space. Old Testament scholar Dana Fuel writes, Rahab's faith and kindness raise serious questions about Joshua's obsession with holy war. How many people with vision and loyalty, how many Rahabs were destroyed in the attempt to raise up and establish a pure and unadulterated nation? We can be weighed down by the stories of conquest in the Old Testament. Of the walls come a tumbling down of lives lost in bloody battle and cities burned. But Rahab stands there for us if we will but see. She stands at her window in the wall and is recalled for centuries for her courage and her faith. 
She's right there as the New Testament opens in the very first chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. In the very first book of the New Testament, there's a genealogy of Jesus' ancestors, and there is Rahab, along with four people, who, four others who appear with her, Tamar and Ruth and the wife of Uriah, that would be Bathsheba. Focus on the red cord in the window, if you will, for it's woven throughout the fabric that tells us God's story from that day until now. Without it, we might just see a story of conquest and of holy war, but the red thread draws us to the window where we can see the face of Rahab, having been called by God. She then calls us to pay attention to those people who live on the outer margins, those who live in the walls of the city, who live under the bridges along the Huron River, those who make camp along the highways, those who sleep in the basement of churches on cots. For they too, they too, Rahab tells us, can be redemptive and holy and powerful. Now, Flannery O'Connor is correct. Rahab came to a gritty and bold faith by a process that was not permitted by the clergy, the religious authorities. Yet in Hebrew, it's recorded that by faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had received the spies in peace. In her correspondence with a young woman who was far outside the orthodox boundary of faith, O'Connor observes this. I think that most people come to the faith by a means which the church does not allow. How else in the world there would be no need of getting to the church at all? However, this is true inside as well as the operation of the church is entirely set up for the sinner, which creates much misunderstanding among the smug. Rahab remakes relationships that connect all all of humanity to God, to the faith and to the future. She dashes the distinctions between inside and out, between the accepted and the rejected, and writes her story of reciprocal deliverance into the book of life. In Joshua, before the city is ravaged, she hides the Hebrew spies in exchange for salvation for herself. It's a sort of righteous deception, if you'll see, And by her courage, she shows that devotion to the God of Israel is paramount. So 1,200 years later, fast forward, there's another story. The tale of Zacchaeus also emerges from the same town, Jericho, to tell of another person who comes to faith in an unorthodox manner. Zacchaeus is, in some respects, by grace, a new Rahab. He doesn't earn his living in the sex trade, no, he is instead completely aligned with the Romans. His wealth is in service, well, to his own wealth. And his money has little impact on his own community. So when he comes down out of the sycamore tree to face Jesus, he, like Rahab, transfers his loyalty to the God of life and surrenders his wealth to healing and redeeming all the key relationships in his own community. And so it is that his household is saved. And both these strange stories 
from Jericho, we find God's call and salvation coming to us, thankfully coming to us through the most unlikely of people and by the strangest of means, by a God whose mere presence is enough to transmit the divine gift of healing and of hope and restoration. I wonder if it was the sycamore tree that made Zacchaeus realize that there was room for him in God's kingdom. Maybe even before Jesus wandered by, Zacchaeus looked at who he was and wondered how it had come to this. What was it that literally chased him up that tree? His nice Armani tunica now had a green stain on it and his Bruno Molly sandals were in scuffed and his fingernails that were nicely manicured were now chipped and there he was hunched up in that tree like a schoolboy, trying to escape from the principal it was ridiculous what was a man of his stature doing in this silly position clattering up a tree is not not one of the seven habits of highly effective people In fact, climbing a tree was only something that someone desperate would do. Someone who knew that they had lost everything in search of a few shekels. Someone who knew that deep down inside that not all the money in the Roman Empire was going to satisfy his hunger. Someone else who knew that the line between the accepted and the rejected was incredibly fluid. In the old Sunday school song about this story, we're told that Zacchaeus climbed up that sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. But I see no sign of his curiosity. I don't think it had anything to do with his regard for Jesus as a Savior. He just wanted to see who Jesus was, what this God could be like, to see that there was a possibility beyond the death that he was living It seems likely that his scramble up the tree was not something he was eager to have his fellow Jerichoites witness. My hunch is that he was really hiding. He was not sitting there with his legs dangling down beneath his tunic. He wasn't holding up a welcome Jesus sign. Instead, he was hidden in the branches, hiding in the leaves, hoping that as the parade passed by and Jesus himself that Jesus might be too preoccupied to notice. But when the parade stops and Jesus looks directly at him, and when the rest of the crowd follows in mass to see Zacchaeus on the tree, I wonder if he just took a deep gulp and his face turned bright red. But Jesus speaks and says that it is his house that he will come to that day. Jesus says that upon the word... Zacchaeus fairly well tumbled out of the tree and welcomed Jesus with joy. Something about the very presence of Jesus changed this sawed-off little crook. Jesus makes it clear that he didn't climb up into that tree looking for a change in his position of his portfolio or the outlook that he had on the world. He was just curious, and that was enough. Sometimes curiosity is the outward manifestation of inward emptiness. On the surface of his life, Zacchaeus had it all. He strutted around giving off the vibes of a man who had it all. Everything that he did and said communicated that 
he did have it all. But despite that, here he was, literally up a tree, wondering how life had come to this moment. He was, after all, a tax man, not only regarded as dishonest, but even worse, he was put in a class that made him almost the class of a leper. Maybe up there in that tree, he was wondering how life had come to this. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, looking around that day, the thought occurred to him that I, I am lost. I am owned by a force that's beyond me, by my wealth, by my own ideas. And just then a voice came and said, Zacchaeus. And somehow Zacchaeus knew that he had been found. And being found, he was deeply and joyously glad because Jesus, by his actions, pointed out something that no one else had been able to summon up the courage to say, that in the kingdom of God, there is always room for yet one more, one more man, one more woman, one more child. For we are a people who hang a red cord on the walls of the citadel, who scatter, scamper up into trees, who look and hope that God might come to us in all our brokenness, in all the unlikely situations that we have faced, and give us grace and hope and mercy. For God has come to both Rahab this day and to Rahab's here and beyond and to Zacchaeus and will come again and will come again to us. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. In your heart forgiving God, you wrote the vision of redemption and sent Jesus, your servant of righteousness, to your people at the appointed time. When our zeal for sin consumed us, he came to feed us with the bread of life. He came to grow abundant faith in us, to defeat sin and death so they could never harm us again, and invite us to find life and peace in your heart's home for all eternity. As we remember his life, his teachings, his words, as we celebrate the good news of his resurrection, in your heart, blessing God, you wrote the vision of a community which would live out your kingdom here on earth, pouring out your spirit of life and grace upon the gifts of bread and cup and on your people gathered together for your feast. As we are fed by your word, become life. Give us understanding so we might hear those who are crying out for hope as we are nourished by your spirit of peace, may we go out to all who live surrounded by oppression, bringing justice to every place where it has never prevailed. And when we are gathered in that vision of life forever, which is written in your heart, we will join our sisters and brothers from every time and place forever praising you, God in community, holy and one, as we use the words you gave us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. วันที่ที่เนี่ยเป้วัน
，无得所愿得得去，就救阮脱离迄个派，因为国官人应跟拢是的所有，代代无尽。阿门。Thanks for worshiping with us. For more information, visit us on the web at www.firstpresbyterian.org or send an email to info@firstpresbyterian.org. See you next week for another sermon from First Press.